Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. We're kind of unique in that we, we have a lot of data around like what people are looking for, uh, what people are actually buying. And so it was really interesting to watch the evolution from February 2020 through March, April, May, et cetera, all the way through the fall here. And I think what I found is that the buying behavior mimicked a lot of actually what was going on in the stock market where there was a massive drop off, like basically everything totally halted in the March timeframe. Nothing was really moving. Uh, people were maybe doing demos, but they're really just sort of like frantically like, what is going on with this COVID thing and how do we protect our workforces? Phil is the founder of Select Software Reviews. He helps HR teams buy the right software through free online buyer guides he published to his website. He's a self-taught programmer and HR tech nerd. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Really excited about the conversation today with Phil. How are you doing, Phil? I'm doing all right. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited to have this chat about the, the HR technology landscape, what, what's changed over the past few months being in this pandemic, the outlook for what may be happening going forward, perhaps a little bit about what companies are looking for these days and how those HR, HR technology companies can be preparing perhaps for a new set of demands from their potential customers. So, so let's begin with the beginning. What do you see in the HR tech uh, landscape right now that is different perhaps from what it was before the pandemic or even over the past maybe five years when it has been booming, if you will? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of unique in that we, we have a lot of data around like what people are looking for, uh, what people are actually buying. And so it was really interesting to watch the evolution from February 2020 through March, April, May, et cetera, all the way through the fall here. And I think what I found is that the buying behavior mimicked a lot of actually what was going on in the stock market, where there was a massive drop off, like basically everything totally halted in the March timeframe. Nothing was really moving uh, people were maybe doing demos, but they're really just sort of like frantically like, what is going on with this COVID thing and how do we protect our workforces? You saw a movement towards these more sort of like virtual uh, hiring and managing technologies, whether that's video interview platforms or assessment platforms that are more virtual and asynchronous in nature, as well as 
from an actual employee perspective, um, technologies like Zoom and Slack and also performance management and more employee rewards and recognition, et cetera. And then over the last like, couple of months, uh, the demos, you know, companies that have sort of been looking at a new ATS and, and maybe talking to different vendors have actually been purchasing those pieces of software. And so there is this actually like really amazing time, probably at the beginning of the summer, where if you were a software buyer and you pulled the trigger, you could get a pretty phenomenal deal because a lot of vendors were just like, wow, we need cash, like ASAP. Um, and so if you could provide that cash, you, you got compensated for it. And now I think things are slightly back to normal. And actually, even with like the, the better vendors in the space, you're sort of seeing like an acceleration of their businesses as the people that maybe would have bought in Q2 are, are now coming to them and saying like, all right, like we, we were going to buy a new ATS this year. We thought it was going to be in June. We finally got budget approval, kind of reapproval. Um, let, let's actually do this thing. That is that is incredible, and and of course, it like like you're saying, it's a it, it is a reflection of of the entire perhaps market behavior from the beginning of the crisis to what it is today. Where at the beginning there was a lot of uncertainty, and people were holding back on expending and spending any money on things that they didn't know they were going to need in the in the near future, and and of course they were trying to catch up and and and. Uh, you know, stabilize their function by by figuring out how to how to operate in this new uh, reality of work. And it seems that a number of areas have been going back to a more stable uh, approach, where you know operations are are you know getting back to normal, maybe. And and the companies that needed to include these technology companies, well, now are reaching out to them again. So so let me ask you this. For for the for the person who is sitting in an HR leadership position where they have the 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 control and the influence of what kind of technology to look into, what are they looking into these days? Uh, is it the same that they were looking into before? Are they looking for more flexibility, more agility? Uh, what are they looking for these days? Yeah, I, I think that there's there's always going to be tons of companies out there that are transitioning off of legacy systems for your car HR, your HRIS, your ATS, et cetera. And so there's, there's always going to be a lot of HR leaders who are like, hey, we're on this like legacy XYZ, what's the latest and greatest? And so that's always going to be like part of the market. Um, and then you're, you're seeing a lot of HR leaders who are one transitioning to sort of the new normal, uh, remote work, remote hiring, remote onboarding, culture building, et cetera. And you're, you're also seeing the acceleration of the kind of next generation people leadership tool set. So that's like your next generation performance management systems, people analytics. It's probably, you know, partnering with maybe some sort of services organization if you're big enough um, to like build out your Tableau dashboards and like all these different things that I think the, the next generation, you know, chief people officers are sort of thinking about. Um, and, and I've found that more and more companies are coming to the table, realizing that there's a lot of value there. Everybody's searching for value when it's sort of um, been evaporated a little bit with a recession. And so all of those categories are super hot. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. One thing that I, I I'm you and probably all of us in this space have observed is 
a very deep fragmentation of the age of technology space, meaning you know you you now find you know pieces of technology that do uh, just a little bit of something out of all the things that they could do in the age of space. Mm-hmm. And granted, of course, before we had all these heavy technologies that you needed to implement uh, in your own systems, they were not SaaS and and whatnot. Do, do you get? the feeling that this this uh, approach to fragmenting in these small pieces, the age of technology space will be successful going forward, uh, especially when you go through a crisis like this, when you find that, they, that uh, you know, you may find yourself in a place where there's less cash flow and you don't know what you need to sacrifice out of all the pieces of tools that you have for your age of technology needs uh, in work. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think there's a really interesting trend of like point solutions, right? Like a company that's really good at employee interview scheduling um, or, you know, something like very niche. And I think what you'll find over time is that from like a user perspective, that's more and more operated through sort of like a, a UI that exists in your applicant tracking system or whatever sort of your core software is that you log into on a daily basis. And in terms of like, you know, companies adopting these things, like I think you're going to see where there's need and there's companies that need to focus on DNI that need to focus on throughput of applicants that maybe need to scale their hiring aggressively during different times of the year, different economic cycles, et cetera. You're always going to see a lot of demand for those sorts of tools. And that's why there's, there's so many companies that have sprouted up. And it's not because, you know, people and venture capitalists are, are bored or, or they're trying to waste their time. It's that there's actually like a, a real market for a lot of these tool sets. And so um, I think from like a user's perspective, it's, it's getting complicated, right? Like nobody wants to log into 10 different systems. Yeah. And so you're seeing like much tighter integration. You're seeing stuff like Slack on the employee side, the ATS on the recruiter side becoming sort of like the central hub for everything. Um, when people look to cut budgets, I think, you know, something, a, a point solution is always easier to cut than your core HRIS ATS. Um that said, like it just it, it depends on a case by case basis, and so the TA stuff is probably always going to be more vulnerable to economic cycles because it's just so dependent. The hiring correlates so highly with GDP growth, and you know the economy is doing well. Um, but I, I don't find uh, other than that sort of those solutions being easier to, to cut out than mm. the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there's one thing that that is always very interesting to 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 look at, which is how HR leaders think about technology, and you know, in in this space, there are people in HR that you know who know a lot about technology, and there are some of the people who still have this, uh, you know, uh, uh, responsibility, if you will. But they there's their their acumen about technology is is not at the level that it could be. Uh, yeah. perhaps to to be able to understand what the technology that has been offered to them can provide and whether their their processes are the right ones, the right processes in place before bringing technology and whatnot. So let me ask you, when, when you think about a successful HR leader who is able to truly bring a piece of technology that really works for their company, 
what are the, the, the traits, the skills, the capabilities that that kind of leader uh, may have or, or, or needs to have in order to be effective in the selection, in the implementation, and the design of the processes, all that has to do with the integration of HR and technology? Yeah, I mean, you point out basically why we started this site in the first place is that, you know, realistically, this is five to 10% of most people's jobs is tool selection. You do it very infrequently. And so yeah. it's hard to develop a core skill set around it. And that's why we do all this research so that you can make the right decisions and, and you don't have to take that risk and you don't have to spend years, you know, understanding how to look at all the different, you know, teeny tiny things that come together. I think in general, the people who are focused on this as a career or want to get better at it, you've got to be really good from an analytical perspective. And that's to understand and vet the different technologies, as well as to tell the story internally. Um, we are sort of obsessed with like return on investment, because if, if there is no return on investment, it's, it's not worth your time to pursue a given thing. But also a lot of times what we find is practitioners get hung up because they, they go to the CFO to get the money for the new ATS and they're like, oh, the money doesn't exist. Um, and, and many times the money doesn't exist because the business case hasn't been articulated in the right way. Um, so that, that's a huge thing. I think in also like systems thinking. So understanding, you know, we've got like, this is our candidate journey and this is where our candidate journey is breaking down. And we know that because of this data and we think that this tool is gonna help because X, Y, Z, and we think that the end result will be Y. And when we do Y minus X, we know that our time to fill goes down by three days. And we know that, you know, those three days are each worth a thousand bucks times a thousand higher. So that's a million bucks a year. So we can spend hundred K on a new assessment technology and it totally makes sense. Um, so th there's, there's like a million little things that I, I think the other big thing is just like understanding bias. Um, so understanding, you know, is somebody pushing a product because they paid me to push it? Um, is this review because somebody was incentivized economically or otherwise to write this review? Um, you know, a lot of crowd review websites, hundreds of reviews, very idiosyncratic viewpoints, and also most of the time paid to write those reviews. So yeah. being able to sort of understand the information that you're digesting and what, where's the signal and where's the noise is really important as well. I, I, I love that. And, and the fact that I, I see some, some groups of people out there also, you know, pushing out the trends in the HR space, which ended up being paid by the companies that they, you know, that they, that, that are sponsoring them to say something about the trends in the HR space. So I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, care that we need to have in this space, right? To, to make sure that those trends are the trends and not only vet the technology, but also vet perhaps where those trends are coming from and, and, and whether the, the technology is, is really useful for us. You know, it can be very shiny, but it may be, you know, it may not add any value to, to our processes and our organization. So I want to switch gears a little bit from the, from the buyer perspective and now ask you about the, about the HR technology company in itself. What, what capabilities do you think these technology companies that uh, will need, if you will, to be successful going forward in a world that is uh, you know, changing extremely fast 
and where we may go, th- you know, from crisis to crisis, hopefully nothing like coronavirus ever again. But um, um, what, what do you think these companies will, will need to do, the capabilities that we need to embrace in order to be successful going forward? Yeah, I don't think it's, it's any sort of rocket science or anything that's new. You know, the companies that did well this time around were either really lucky in that they were, you know, video interview companies or they were super nimble and they were able to build things really quickly and product manage and understand, you know, where budgets were and, and how to build stuff that satisfied the need to get those budgets. Um, I think the other things that are going to make the best companies successful or not are understanding their customers at a super deep level. So for some, that's like a product-led growth strategy. Talked to a company this morning that it's like a really phenomenal bootstrapped uh, 10 million plus ARR business that's growing really, really quickly. And it's because like they understand that their SME, SMB sort of customer profile wants to be able to just start using the product and not talk to a salesperson. Um, whereas you've got other companies that are more on the enterprise spectrum that understand their, their customer doesn't want to do that. They want to have six different sales calls with an enterprise sales rep who's like super slick. They need the right customizations and implementation team, et cetera. And there's lots of different strategies for, for those different personas. But I think that the, the companies, when I talk to all these vendors, the companies that get it, that are growing the fastest are just staying really, really close to their customers. And I can tell that because the stats that they quote, the themes that they're trying to convey in their product marketing are all the exact right things that HR leaders actually care about. Hmm. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And what, what have you seen about, well, I'm, 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 I, I've looked and I've seen so many HR technology companies that have, um, some of them have pivoted in a different direction or they are, cutting out all the, uh, I don't want to call it waste, but all the things that they got into uh, that are, you know, way beyond their core and they're trying to go back to the priorities and the essentials to, to, you know, make sure that they are staying in business through this crisis. So what things are you seeing companies doing these days to, to continue to operate, to survive through this time of difficulty and crisis that we're going through and hopefully to thrive, you know, going forward, what, what are they doing? Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of companies were taking a longer term perspective in even March and, and that was really smart. It's unfortunate for a lot of individuals because if you're an SDR at a company and there's no sales to develop, you're, you're sort of out of a job. Yeah. Um, and those companies were reallocating that budget either to, you know, a cash cushion and runway or to R&D that has usually like a much longer ROI cycle, um, but maybe sometimes much higher than investing into sales and marketing. And so there was like a shift in capital allocation, I think, for a lot of companies to focus on what's the world going to be like in six months? Can we capitalize on that? What's that worth? And what's it going to be like in a year or three years from now? And let's keep building for that. And I think that the, the most successful, most interesting companies have a viewpoint and they had a viewpoint and it's very similar on what the world will look like in three years. And maybe there's a few catalysts that have happened. Um, but for the most part, they're sure, still kind of hard charging towards that end goal. Um, Cause a lot of these, you know, especially startups or really any technology vendor, cause you have to think on these sorts of timelines, 
it's never, what they have right now is never like where they're going. It's always, you know, three, five, 10 years out. And so how do you get there? Um, one of the ways is you just, you just invest in R and D. Uh, and so I think a lot of budgets were, were shifted in that direction. And, you know, some of those key themes are of course, remote work, which was happening. And, and now the catalyst is COVID. Um, AI obviously is like a big thing that people are more interested in because they need to do more with less and uh, was sort of thing anyways, that a lot of yeah. companies are investing in on both sides, vendors and practitioners and, and getting actually a lot of value out of. So that's kind of what I saw. And then some companies totally freaked out, <laughs> you know, some companies um, cut too deep or, or didn't cut deep enough and um, are in kind of a, a tough situation right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, when I know you talk to, you know, dozens of HR technology companies and, and provide them advice, I'm guessing that part of the part of the story that they bring to you is what they are concerned about, right? What they're, uh, what they are scared about. What do they say when, when they talk to you? What do they tell you? Like, these are the things that, you know, if they happen or if they don't happen, we are, you know, we're not going to survive. What, what are their concerns? Yeah, I think the concern, especially midsummer was, especially for enterprise focused HR tech vendors, like, we've got all these people who are in our, our funnel and none of them are converting. Mm. You know, there's, there's all these people who we did the legal review. We've, you know, done everything. They just haven't signed the contract. And I think from the vendor side of, or I'm sorry, on the practitioner side of things, like people are just waiting to get budgets approved. Um, I think a lot of those concerns have now been alleviated. Um, and, and maybe, you know, the people who are telling me they're alleviated, that they're sort of the loudest people and maybe they're still a <laughs> bit of a minority. Um, but of course, I, I just think in general, everybody is had some pain in the last seven or eight months, you know, one way or the other. And everybody's worried about the uncertainty, you know, in the US, we've got the election, we've got COVID, we've got debt, we've got, you know, recession, like, there, there's all these things that people are just like, very nervous about. And I think we get we get more nervous, uh, the closer we are to our last pain event. And for a lot of people, that wasn't, that was a long time. Um, and now all of a sudden that, that pain is like very poignant in people's minds. So um, yeah, folks are just, I think in general, kind of concerned about the various uncertainty that could come from different events. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, like you're saying, you know, it was, it was at least uh, what, 10, 12 years since our last significant crisis, you know, since uh, 2008, 2009 uh, um, financial cri uh, uh, crash. So so I think we got used to being in a very stable environment and suddenly, well, you know, we were all thrown into, into, into this chaos and, and uncertainty and craziness, if you will. So it's been a little uh, difficult and, uh, you know, totally understandable, difficult to manage for a lot of organizations. So, um, Sophia, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to ask you, uh, what are you excited and concerned the most, if you will, about the future of work or the future in general, not just the future of work, but the future in general? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, as it relates to future work, like I'm most excited about the role that technology is playing in shaping organizations for the better and whether that's, you know, better communication or better work habits or the ability to hire more diverse populations or 
whatever the case may be, like technology is having like a very significant impact and you're seeing just like massive adoption mm -hmm. across all these different verticals, which is super interesting. Um, I think the, you know, the most concerning is probably that the tech goes too far and it becomes like a bit dehumanized. I think a lot of people um, can live in spreadsheets and I'm definitely guilty of that as well and, and not think too much about like the, the human um, implications of even something like a video interview or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so as it relates to the future of work, like I, I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, as it relates to in general stuff, um, I, I think that this has been like a really trying year and it probably continue to be fairly trying. Um, but I also think that a lot of really good stuff comes out of these trying times. People reevaluate their careers, their priorities, companies start to think differently about the way that they do things. And I think, you know, we're going to see uh, people working remotely, people valuing work-life balance, um, people perhaps relying more on different things to make them more efficient, et cetera. So I think there'll be a lot of really good things that come out of this, even though um, we're sort of in a area that it's, or a time in history where it's easy to be pretty pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I share the excitement and the concern too, of course, and I'm hoping that we, we bring technology to the point that it can help us truly maximize and amplify our capacities, but not to the point where, you know, humans are irrelevant uh, at work, uh, yeah. because that would be that 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 would not be the right place or the place where we want to be. So, Phil, thank you so much for spending this time with me. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Enrique. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. I'll see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.